Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. More in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't add to our salvation, that kind of thing, but... Uh, but it's just to know him more, to use the, the time that we have to serve him more. And um, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful to be saved. If you're glad to be saved, just say amen today. That's wonderful. Right, we know the alternatives. You have heaven and hell, and they're pretty drastic. And it pivots. And whether you go one place or another, the Bible's very clear. God is equal opportunity. Equal opportunity. It's the same message to everybody. And that's, would you repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? And then he offers eternal life. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And so our great opportunity is, of course, to share that, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and also to share that tremendous message with as many people as we possibly can. Nothing else will matter. Everything else pales in comparison to it. I mean, it's such a great message. You might even have you start mission fields to places you've never been from your armchair. (laughs) All kinds of crazy things. Uh, but it's, uh, so anyway, just such an important message. I, I mentioned earlier, we, we did have a, a very good week. It was a busy week on a lot of fronts, a very good day yesterday, great work day. And again, I appreciate everybody who showed up. Uh, many hands make light work. I think it, it says something like that. But in, in Acts chapter 12, we're taking a look at this, this topic of being more. The, the, the point here is be ready. It's it's a pretty exciting passage here. The book of Acts is the history book of the New Testament. um, If if there was no book of Acts, if you just went right from the Gospels to Romans, you say, what in the world happened here? Because we have the Gospels, uh, the life of Christ and approaching his his death, burial, and resurrection. And then you have Romans. Like, I don't get it. It's, It's a mystery. But you have the book of Acts. And the book of Acts unlocks all the movements in the New Testament. It's, it's incredible how it, it ties everything together. And in Acts chapter 12, we're going to look at a few things today on, on be ready, be ready, be ready. The first point is be ready, wake up. And uh, I don't mean to, to, to uh, suggest that you're sleeping, that we are sleeping, but the wake up being, is always being ready for that next step, to be ready. And uh, we're going to read Acts chapter 12, verses uh, 1 through 5 is a start. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 5, I ask you to read that silently while I read it aloud. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 5. It says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, a brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we thank you again for the privilege of being in your house. And Lord, help us to never take it for granted. Lord, these are wonderful times. These, this is the times we... Lord willing, we'll look back on and cherish and say they were good days. And Lord, it is good to be in the house of God. It's good to open up the word of God. It's good to encourage one another 
in the faith, the Lord, to provoke one another into love and to good works. And Father, we pray that that would all be accomplished here today. And uh, Lord, we pray that everything that's said and done here today would be done to your honor and to your glory. Help us to never build programs that are meant to build up anything else but the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to give him honor. We know, Father, as we honor the Son, we honor the Father also. So, Father, we ask your blessing upon this meeting. And, Lord, as always, we pray if there be any here today that have not yet repented of their sin and trusted Christ as Savior. And, Father, we pray that this would be the day of salvation. And, Lord, we thank you for the wonderful open door uh, to the gospel that you've made available to us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And so be ready. This is pretty exciting. So the book of Acts, of course, we're in chapter 12, and we don't have time to go over chapters 1 through 11, but the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit came and empowered the church at Jerusalem, and rushing mighty wind, cloven tongues like as a fire sat on them. And then the gospel starts getting preached, and it starts getting preached. You have 3,000, 5,000, then it multiplied after that. It was just incredible things going on. And, but in Acts chapter 12, we start off, we see Herod, the king, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Now, vex it may not be a word that you use a lot, but let's just say it's not good. <laughs> it's vex. It's when you, appro- you oppose, you oppress. And he stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Keep your finger there and turn back with me to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. The passage is in Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. We covered this. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. Just, I, I think just a few weeks ago. However, since my memory is sometimes in a continuous stream of reality, it could have been three years and six months, but I think it was pretty recent. In, in Matthew chapter 20, verses 20, it's, the text is 20 through 28, but you have two disciples who are saying, can we sit on your right hand, on your left hand? And it says, in verse, starting in verse 20, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou, or what can I do for you? Jesus said. She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And by the way, he's not talking about water baptism here. He's talking about the experience he's going to go through. They say unto him, we are able. And he saith unto them, ye shall indeed, ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared to my father. Now, this is pretty interesting. So the other 10 were pretty upset. They're thinking, well, who do you think you are, James and John, that you would try to wiggle your way to the top? You're going to Jesus, ask for special favors. And Jesus said, you sure you want this? Well, Acts chapter 12 is the fulfillment of being baptized with the baptism that he is baptized with. What happened here? Herod goes after, he's here to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John. We always picture Peter as being the most vocal, outspoken one. He certainly was vocal. He certainly was outspoken. He was a leader of men. He was a lot of things. But they took James first, maybe because he's one of the sons of thunder. And uh, they took James, and he, and, he, and he killed him. He killed him with the sword. So when they said, Lord, we want to go through what you go through, that's what they were asking. They may not realize, but that's what they were asking. 
And this is what happened with it. So the point here on the first point is, wake up. The miracle. The miracle. Now, the miracle that happened here was, imagine, imagine waking up uh, to a miracle and having an angel for your alarm clock. Here, Peter is in prison. It says in verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. But let's read down just a few more verses, and we see in verses 6 through 10 exactly what happened. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the, so the next day, Peter's set, he, the ball is teed up for his execution. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him. (laughs) He's in a fog. Because it says, And wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And And when they were past the first and second ward, they came into the, unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. I mean, this is an incredible miracle that's going on here. So persecution starting to break up. People are getting saved all over the place. The gospel is being preached. You have 3,000, 5,000, then the believers multiply. It was really amazing what God is doing through the preaching of the word of God in Jerusalem at this time. It's just unbelievable. Herod, Herod was a political guy, just like a lot of politicians today. Herod, uh, the Jews didn't like Herod because he was from the family of, I think, the Edomites. And they didn't like the idea, the Jews didn't like the idea that this guy, Herod, is ruling over them. So to, to make peace with the Jews, he goes after the church. And so he grabs James and Peter and he executes James right off the top. First one to go. That makes me kind of think James probably was maybe more vocal, maybe more, uh, more seen, more outwardly fruitful than even Peter was. But he killed him first. He arrested, Peter's arrested. And he says in verse 3, And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. I just want to comment on that. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Have you ever wondered about that word Easter in there in verse 4? It says, intending after Easter to bring it forth to the people. Have you ever wondered about that? It's, it's an interesting word. It comes from the word Pascha, which is the same word as Passover. Well, why wasn't it translated Passover? Because it's not Passover. Because they're already in the days of unleavened bread. Easter was after the days of unleavened bread. Passover was before the days of unleavened bread. What Herod's referring to is the pagan holiday of Easter. It is a pagan holiday. That's where the name came from, and that's why it's called Easter here. But this is when everything's really moving on. So he, he arrests James. He kills him. He arrests Peter. He's ready to kill him. And, you know, sometimes you might look at this. Now, this is a miracle. So Peter, now you've got to ask yourself, wait a minute. James was executed, and then Peter is sleeping. And he had a pretty calm peaceful sleep. Why is that? How could Peter sleep? Now, maybe it's just out of exhaustion. You can only stay up for so many hours. 
But the picture here seems to be as though Peter's resting. It could be, very likely, that Peter's resting. Why is that? Well, maybe he understands a couple things. Number one, the church is praying for him. There's been times when people have said to me, I'm praying for you. That makes a world of difference to me. And I know it does to you too. If someone says to you, I know you're going through a difficult time right now, and I'm not going through any huge difficult time right now, I didn't mean to imply that, but I've had people say, I'm praying for you. If you're going through a difficult time, and someone comes up to you and says, I'm praying for you, doesn't that give you peace? I just feel a lot better. I remember Pastor Worsham, shortly after, in 1999, when we, when we came together and we were here, and Pastor Worsham and I started working together, he said, Preacher, I want you to know I pray for you every day. I go, wow, that's great. Because if I was God, I would listen to Pastor Worsham. Right? Not because he had authority over God, but because I would listen to his prayers. He said, I pray for you. That made a difference. It might be that Peter knew that the church was praying for him, and so Peter's resting, knowing that God's in control, and he really doesn't have anything to worry about. But it may have been also that Jesus told Peter, over there in, in John chapter 20, I believe it is, Peter, uh, they wanted to know how they were going to die. And Jesus said about Peter, when you are old, they're going to take you where you didn't want to go and you're going to go through something you didn't want to have happen. Talking about his, his crucifixion. And history tells us that Peter was ultimately crucified. And when he was being crucified, he said, I don't deserve to die like Jesus did. So they turned him upside down. That's what history says about his crucifixion. The Bible doesn't say that about crucifixion or the exact manner of death, but it, it implies a crucifixion. But what it did say very specifically is when you are old, and Peter's probably thinking of himself while I'm in prison, and maybe he knows that James was just executed, but he said, I'm not old yet. And so I don't know how this is going to work out, but Jesus said, I'm going to be around until I'm old. So Peter was sleeping. The point being is that there's an incredible miracle going on here. Peter didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know how it was going to happen. It says, but the Bible says, but prayer was being made unto the church uh, by him. Never, never underestimate the power of a praying church. It's amazing. It's, it, it's prayer. Why did that angel go to get Peter out of prison? Prayer. God's people were praying. God sent an angel in response to God's people praying and delivered Peter from that prison. It was incredible. And he, he, had, he had great peace. It, he had great reason to have peace because God said, when you're old, he, he knew he wasn't going to die. And so we see this thing with, with this account starting off with Peter with the, the miracle of an angel slapping him and telling him to get up. My children thought that frequently in the morning when I would go wake them up. They would say, oh, it's an angel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like never. Peter had, really had an angel. An angel came and woke him up. And he didn't understand what was happening. It's, it's like it was a vision. So, I mean, honestly, if, if something like this happened to me, I would, I would think it was a vision. You would stand up, you got shackles on, you have guards all over the place, you're, you're in the most secure place in the town, and maybe he knew that the next day is going to be his final day if things go according to Herod's plan, but he wakes up out of his sound sleep, the guards aren't doing anything, the chains fall off of his hands, the door opens up, he goes walking out, and he's probably thinking, is this really happening? I must be dreaming. Have you ever dreamed? I'm in, in, and in the middle of your dream, you know it's a dream? You ever had that happen? Yeah, I've, I, I've got, 
I've got about 13 dreams here I'd like to tell you about. Um, but you know what it's like to dream? It's like coming out of a fog. And I've had, as a matter of fact, I did have this recently. A couple weeks ago, I had a dream. And as I'm going through this dream, I realized, well, this person, it was, it was someone who was much younger in my, in my dream, but now they're older. And I'm looking at this person, and they're much younger. And I was, you know, it was a happy moment. I'm like, oh, wait, they're not that young. <laughs> I wrecked the whole thing. I woke up, and ah, oh, that's too bad. Peter thinks he's dreaming. The chains fall off, the door opens, they walk out, then the city gate, like, like remote control, the thing just opens up. And he walks through, and then now it's coming to him, what's happening, and then the angel departs from him. He's like, this is absolutely amazing. What, what an incredible series of events. People are getting saved all over the place. The church of Jerusalem growing like crazy. The gospel is going like wildfire through the city. The Jewish leaders are concerned about it. Herod's concerned about it. And they decide, we want to stop this as soon as we can. You can't fight against God. And they couldn't stop it. The miracle was, for Peter, was the angel waking him up. You know, but I was thinking, as, as far as an, an application to our own lives, I think about the miracle of my salvation. The miracle of my salvation. That's when, when we get saved, that's when the lights really come on. And there's a process before that. Someone introduces us to the gospel. We hear it. We think about it. We realize that we've sinned. We've, we ask God to forgive us. We receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. But what a change that makes. What an incredible change. Your life is not the way it would have been had you not trusted Christ and followed after him. And none of us claim to do it flawlessly by any stretch of imagination, but he changes our lives. And he brings us to a new place. And what made the difference? Jesus Christ. I mean, that's a miracle. The miracle of our salvation. Most important miracle you'll ever see. If I had a choice of... of have you grew up on comic books? Have you grew up on comic books? You read Marvel. No, Spider-Man's not actually... He didn't just come out in that movie. I'm not, I'm not recommending a movie. I'm just saying everybody knows Spider-Man, right? I grew up reading Spider-Man comic books. My brother would buy them. And I got 40 cents a week allowance. 40 cents every single week. My brother would charge me 25 cents of my 40 cents so I could have the privilege of reading his comic books. <laughs> and I gave it to him every week. Same comic books, never changed, quarter every week so I could read his comic books. My brother's a crook. <laughs> but I would read these things. So, and I, I say this, so let's say in the, in the universe of alternatives, you could have the power to leap buildings in a single bound, to be bulletproof, to fly faster than a speeding bullet, to stop trains or whatever it may be. If you really had the opportunity of having that or the power of the gospel, I'd take it any day of the week. And guess what? This is real, and this is what we have. And that miracle is when God starts working in our lives, he quickens our hearts and our minds by the word of God, the spirit of God works in us, and he changes us. It's a miracle. It changed things for Peter. This miracle, of course, his miracle is just absolutely incredible, very unique, but it was, it was a, a miracle. The wide, it was a wake-up call, and it was a miracle. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, we see a wide-open door. Now, there's a lot of things in Acts chapter 13. We're going to kind of just move through it kind of quickly. The point of being ready being ready. Christian, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. It, it may be that God is leading in, in someone's life to, for a, a, a change of purpose, let's say into the ministry or something like that. And I don't want to be too specific. God has a direction. We need to be ready for that. Whatever stage of life we're at, you know, 
what, what ministry, what areas of growth, what areas of service does God want me to, to do? And realize in our lives, just because we do what we do now doesn't mean it's etched in stone. This is what we're always going to do. Travis, you may not always be a landscaper, right? Jesse, you may not always be an engineer. There could be a million different things. Missionaries, evangelists, we don't know what God's going to do. So we need to be ready for that. But also, more commonplace is in the area in which God has us. Because I don't think God wants us volatile, just jumping into different places all the time. And many times God will take us where we are, but then open up doors that we never even knew were going to be there. It might be that client, Joe, on, on a, you're, to raise a roof at some lake and some place you can't, no reasonable person would ever go to. But there's an open door. It could be someone at the supermarket, someone on the bus, someone at work. It, but be ready. And it's an open door. What we see in Acts chapter 13 is, now again, things are on fire. The churches are growing like crazy. The gospel is going forward with incredible power and incredible authority. And we see an, an absolutely open door. In verses uh, 6 through 12 of Acts chapter 13, now in the, in the first few verses, I, I, I do want to mention, in verse 2, for instance, the church at Antioch, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, they had also John to their minister. Now, verse 6 is where we find the first place they went. Now, so it's really exciting. Listen, when you have a great message, particularly with the, they, were, they were called of God to preach the gospel, they've, they've committed their lives to do so, the church that they're out of, they sent them forth, said, you need to go and preach. And so now they're going up. This is a great missionary journey that they're starting off on. And the very first place they went in, in verse 6 is when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found uh, a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name is Bar-Jesus. He's not the main point here. The main thing is Paphos. You know what Paphos is? It's, it's in Cyprus. Cyprus is the land that Barnabas is from. So when they send him out, maybe it was Barnabas' special request. Maybe it was just a clear, disconnected leading of the Holy Spirit to whatever Barnabas' concern might be. But it's almost like Barnabas said, I got to tell my parents, I got to tell my family, I got to tell those people in my neighborhood, they've got to hear. One of my, I, I, had, I had a very good upbringing, I had a great family, good, great parents, uh, I'm one of 13, I had nine good siblings. <laughs> you do the math. Great siblings, and uh, in a good school life, good grade school, good high school, high school, went really well. Now, I wasn't saved yet, so it wasn't a great Christian time, but good friendships. It wasn't, it was a lot less worldly than it could have been. Let's put it that way. But one of my, one of my great desires is to see my high school class get saved. Now, I know a, a few of them have, and I've had the opportunity to, to talk to a few of them. One person, I went to a reunion a few years ago, and uh, a friend of mine from grade school, I knew him from like third grade on. Uh, he was going through a difficult time, I won't mention his name. And I said, well, what's going on? So we started talking. 
about five minutes in the conversation, he said, don't try to pastor me. <laughs> I said, I'll do my best. <laughs> but to see him get saved. Barnabas, I think he was really happy to go to Paphos. This is Cyprus. This is my home territory. I want to see them. I want to see them get saved. They need Jesus. And it's not easy, and it'd be easier for... Barnabas, it'd be easy for us to maybe just think about something else. Just hit all the side issues, you know, just kind of avoid the main topic because it's easier. But that's not what they did. They went to Cyprus, and they went to Paphos, it was a, a, an area of actually great deception in verse 13. Again, there's a lot of things going on. We have the door, the door is open, the door is open. So be ready. God probably won't call you to Paphos into Smyrna and Pergamos, all these other places. Probably won't do that. But what we see with these people is God had given them a message. He had called them to service, as he has each one of us. And then he opens up these doors. And as they go through it, it's incredible. They get to go to Paphos, which is where the area, the area of Cyprus, where Barnabas is from. In verse 13, we see this point of desertion. This is where John Mark, well, he didn't do so well. It says, now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. They went on. There was this desertion. Why, why did he leave? You know, we don't know. We really don't know. There's no concrete reason as to this is exactly why John Mark left. You know, it says John here. He's known as John Mark. I want to refer to him as John Mark because the immediate implication of someone named John doing that, I don't like it. So I'm going to throw John Mark in there so we keep a, a good distinction there. We'll just, maybe we'll just call him Mark. <laughs> John Mark. Why did he leave? Well, maybe he got homesick. That could be. Could be something as simple as that. Maybe he became unhappy because Barnabas is John Mark's cousin. And maybe he didn't like the idea that Paul was running, was driving the bus, so to speak, instead of Barnabas. Maybe he, um, uh, he, he, he was afraid. You know, things were hard and, and dangers were there. And, and you have to give up the life that you thought you wanted to have and to follow this way. And this way, well, it's kind of hard. There's a lot of reasons why John Mark may have, may have done it, but, but that's what happened. So when you go through the doors that God gives you, and we see a very clear example, some of the most noble people in world history, Paul and Barnabas, incredible people. They went through open doors, and they had hard times. They had people desert them as they go through this incredible, groundbreaking ministry of serving the Lord Jesus Christ, where no one has ever served him before, thinking, we're ready to charge hell with a squirk on, and then John Mark says, yeah, I'm out of here. Ah, oh, you're kidding me. Do you think that was discouraging for John Mark or for Paul and Barnabas? Yeah, probably. Probably somewhat. And as a matter of fact, Barnabas and, and Paul had, had separated later on because Barnabas said, well, we need to take John Mark with us again. And Paul said, no, nah, I don't think so. So Paul went with Silas and Barnabas with John Mark, and that's the way we went after that. You know, the point being that when you're serving the Lord, uh, you can run into situations that are really unexpected. I remember when I first got saved, uh, I would hear about a missionary in Africa. I'm thinking, oh good, Africa's going to get saved. They have a missionary. 
It wasn't quite that simple. I'm thinking, how can, how can people not respond to the gospel from a missionary for crying out loud? He's there preaching the gospel. The whole place is going to get saved. It doesn't really quite go that way. You know, it is hard work. It takes diligence and consistency and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But even when you're on such a great endeavor, something with incomparable value, things can go wrong. It doesn't mean that it wasn't an open door. And it doesn't mean that God didn't want you to go through that particular door. This is what happened to them. But it means that it's all worth it. You take the good with the bad and you just keep on going. You know, be ready. Be ready. Be ready for the times when, when the gospel just explodes. And it, you know, I've had, I've had weeks or periods of time where it just seems like you just, everything's going great. Everything's going great. People are getting saved. They're responding. New ministries getting started. Things growing. And then you have other times that don't quote, go quite as robustly as that. It doesn't, in, in one regard, it doesn't really matter. It's all about Jesus. It's all about being diligent for him. Which brings us to our last point on, the, on be ready is true worship, the response. In Acts chapter 17, you know, it begins with that miracle, that miracle of God dealing with us. Miracle of God dealing with us when we get saved. It's, I mean, it's terrific. Getting saved. I remember when I got saved. I remember when I told someone I got saved. I almost couldn't believe I'm saying it. But that's what happened. I did what the Bible said. I, I asked God to forgive me. I, I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, uh, washed in the blood of the Lamb, however you want to put it. That's what I did. And I love telling people about it. It was, it was so, so exciting. And it, you just feel as though this is, um, we're part of something that is absolutely unstoppable. A, a, a mission and a ministry that is, that is more important than anything else we could ever be involved in. It's, it's wonderful. But then God, and then God starts to work in our heart as to, okay, now what are you going to do with this? And this is where the life of submission comes in. This is where we, we hear God's knocking on our door and he starts to lead. And so the first miracle, I see it as a miracle, is our salvation. But I also look at very miraculous is when God starts working in our lives to direct us in particular ways. He feeds us through the word of God. He gives us area of service to serve and it's, it's wonderful. And what we see here in Acts chapter 17, we'll close shortly, is the response what was going on. So the miracle happened. The doors were open. They're going to all these various places. And we see the responses to the word of God, responding to the word of God. And by the way, we should always respond to the word of God. When we have an invitation, it should always be an invitation where we respond. It may not be at the altar. I'm not trying to, to, to artificially promote physically coming to the altar. Although I do recommend it. I think it's a great place to be. I've been to the altar uh, when, I, for, when I first got saved, when I wasn't in junior church, I'd be in church service. Most times it's at the altar because God would just talk to me about one thing or another. But whether it's in the, at the altar or in your seat, we should always be at the place where we want to respond to God's word, whether it be in our private reading or by the preaching word of God. We need to be in that place. And so we see the response that we see. We see this response in Acts chapter uh, 17. Verses 1 through 9, we see Thessalonica. It says, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. 
where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. So a lot of people responding. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received, and these do all contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason of the other, they let them go. So it's a, it's, you see a, a, an incredible response for the gospel. But then you have this very coordinated pushback against the gospel. They're, they're, they're accusing the disciples and, and Jason of being uh, you know, part of some seditious act. And of course, they weren't at all. So in Thessalonica, which some really great things happened, they were resisting the word of God. And we're going to close today with Berea receiving the word of God. In, in, in verses 10 through 15, it says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those of Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. So Berea were known to receive the word of God. You know, when you go forth, we, and we have a testimony in our, in our missions program. We have some of the greatest missionaries that we have, and I, and I think I'd say all of our missionaries are really great people, wonderful servants of the Lord with great testimonies of faithfully preaching and presenting the word of God. Some of the fields are in, well, they're different. You know, think of the Finleys in Ireland. That's, that's a, a tougher field. And then you compare it with Brother Nair in India. Now, that's a tough field too, and they're all souls. But in India, there's, there's such a measurable almost explosion, it seems, of, of fruit, of Bible colleges and churches being planted. I mean, it's amazing what's going on there. The work in India is of no less value than the work in Ireland, where the Finleys are. And both places have godly people working with all their might to, to proclaim and present the word of God, to see churches planted, to see this, uh, uh, people get saved and discipled, and it's just amazing what's going on. See, it's not really just in the results. It's in the work itself. And this idea of being ready, we never want to be in a place where we're not ready. The Bible says, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We always want to be ready to, to give the message 
that God would have us to give. You know, we, we talk to people. If you talk to people about the Lord, and you've been doing it for a while, you've talked to a lot of people. And you know, along the way, it, it seems as though not as many people would respond positively as you'd like, because you want everybody to respond positively. Sometimes it seems like, like really nothing's happening. But then you come across these pockets of reaction, we'll call it, where all of a sudden you're giving the same word of God out to this place he gave to 20 other places. But here it found a home. Here there was someone ready to receive the things he had. God was working in their hearts already, and we had the honor of simply bringing to them the word of God God had prepared their hearts, and we see God do a great work in seeing this person come to know Christ as Savior. The work is absolutely amazing. The opportunities, only God knows, but they are beyond our comprehension, the opportunities that God has. And it's really our call, I believe, before God to always be in that spot where we are ready. Lord, I, we just want to have a tender heart towards the things of God. And Lord, I don't want to be caught unaware. I don't want to be caught off guard and when that opportunity comes up, Lord, I want to see it. I want to be able to follow through on it and, and give the words that, Lord, that you would have me to do. Lord, don't ever let me be afraid. Let me always search for those opportunities that, that will bring honor and glory to you and bring other souls to the knowledge, saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Be ready. The ministry... Uh, and mission of the Apostle Paul, the Lord Jesus Christ in the Apostle Paul, was absolutely nothing short of phenomenal. We're walking in their footsteps. Do you realize that? I take great comfort in that, knowing that the same word of God that we read and preach is the very same word of God that the Apostle Paul and the other disciples preached almost 2,000 years ago. The Bible's been attacked, but it has never fallen. It will always stand strong. And we have the blessed opportunity of sharing it with others. If you're here today, and uh, you haven't repented and trusted Christ as Savior, you know, we just want to encourage you that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are fallen. Every one of us. The reasons may vary. The evidence may vary. But the conclusion is the same. We all need a Savior. And Jesus, the blessed Son of God, pure and holy without sin, died on the cross with you on his mind. If you haven't prayed for forgiveness from God and to receive Christ as Savior, why not now? So many people have prayed in a Sunday morning service to receive Christ. And dear Father, I acknowledge, I admit that I'm a sinner and I cannot make it on my own. I have sinned against you. But Jesus died for my sin. He paid the penalty for my sin. And Father, I believe that's true. I'm asking you to please forgive me, and I want Jesus Christ as my Savior for all that he's done for me. Father, we thank you for this time together, and we pray, Lord, you bless as we Sing this invitation song, and we pray in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To 
stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.